Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Ravitz Insurance, my personal independent life and disability insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Ravitz later in this episode. Before we start, I also want to give a quick shout out and introduction to Maddie Watts. She is currently a fourth year graduating med student. She just matched at her top program, and she will be our newest victim for some of these cases once Mike graduates and is also preparing a whole series on the residency application process, how to match into emergency medicine. Her advice is going to be a million times better than anything we could say because she literally just did it. Mike and I are both super excited for you to get to know her, meet her, and her first episode will be coming out tomorrow. Barring technical difficulties, which I know we've had several of recently, but we got that all fixed. All right, let's get into it, Mike. How are you doing today? I am good. I'm fresh off my shift. Um, brain's a little scrambled, but ready to go. Let's let's do it. Brain's scrambled. Scrambled brains. It's warmed up, but warmed up. Warmed up scrambled that sounds brains. Good. Today is round number 33 of the game. Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the full case. He does not know what the case is ahead of time. If Mike hits all of the critical actions that I have listed out beforehand, he wins. If he doesn't or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had. They are not real patients. Mike. Take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it. Let me know when you are ready. I am ready. Let's do it. Let's go. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? I have no questions. All right, then let's begin. Dr. Estefan, it's a brisk winter morning. You are working at Clerkship General Hospital when the medics bring in a 55-year-old male with shortness of breath. He's currently on CPAP, and you have been called into the resuscitation bay along with the respiratory therapist and pharmacy to assess the patient. Okay, I walk into the bay. What do I see? You see a 55-year-old male who appears to be in respiratory distress. Okay, can I get an opening set of vitals? Sure. His heart rate is 110. His respiratory rate is 22. His blood pressure is 122 over 82. His O2 saturation is 82%. And can I get a temperature on him? 99.9. 99.9. 99.9. 99.9. And he's 82% on what settings on CPAP? Uh, 10 over 5. 10 over 5 with an FiO2 of? 100. 100. Got it. All right. Um, let me introduce myself. Hi, sir. I'm sorry you're feeling crappy. My name's Dr. Estefan. I'm one of the doctors that will be taking care of you. Um, can you speak at all? <sighs> I'm really short of breath. Okay, did the start to when did the start? Three days ago. Three days ago. Okay. Has this ever happened to you before? Yes, all the time. And why does this happen all the time? What happens all the time? It's my COPD. It's your COPD. Okay. Are you having any chest pain? It feels tight. Okay. Any cough? Yes. Increase in sputum production or change in sputum color? Uh, Yes, I've had uh, increased sputum production and it's greenish. Any fevers? Yeah, I feel like I've been having some fevers. Okay. Are you coughing up any blood? 
No. Have you used any medications at home before you came in? Yeah, I tried my albuterol. Okay. All right. Um, do you have any allergies to medications? No. Um, while I continue to ask him questions, um, could I... Actually, no. Let, let me go through this real quick. Um, what other medical problems do you have? Uh, hypertension and diabetes. And what meds do you take at home? Uh, albuterol. I take an 81 milligram aspirin, lisinopril, and metformin. Okay, let's uh, let's examine him. Um, general appearance. Uh, he looks to be in respiratory distress. Okay, like accessory muscle use, tachypnea. What are we What are we seeing? Indicative of. Yep, he's tachypnea. He's somewhat cyanotic. His lung sounds are kind of. He's like wheezing. Like you can hear him wheezing. Okay, so wheezing in all lung fields. Yep. Okay. Um, pulses. Um, normal pulses, uh, radio pulses bilaterally. Okay. Um, and he had, you said cyanosis, any rashes? Um, no. Any evidence of like airway swelling or anything like that? No. Okay. Um, belly? Soft, non-tender. Okay. Any swelling of his extremities? No. Any JVD? Nope. Okay. Um, let's have, let's start him on, let's get some uh, duonebs going. Okay. And let's give him 125 of solumedrol. And let's, um, let's get some labs sent on him. Let's get a CBC, a BMP, a troponin, a VBG, uh, a pro BNP. Uh, let's get a chest x-ray. Let's do a COVID swab on him. Let's get an EKG. Um, and I think that will be it to start. All right, so just to repeat, you want to start some duonebs. You want to give him 125 of solumedrol, CBC, BNP, troponin, venous blood gas, BNP, chest x-ray, EKG, and COVID. Correct. And he's on CPAP right now, correct? He's on CPAP. Yep. Right now from EMS. Great. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is what I would like to do. All right. So they're starting off with the chest x-ray. It is being sent to you now through the radiology system. Okay. Um, and I, I'm sorry, you said he was on CPAP or BiPAP? Ugh. CPAP. Ugh, that looks disgusting. Um, okay, but you gave me 10 over 5. Is he on, like, 10 of CPAP? Yep. Ten, okay, so he's on sorry. 10. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Great. Okay, um, and we can up-titrate. I can tell respiratory. We can up-titrate that as... Uh, actually, eh, can we switch him to BiPAP? Sure. And what settings would you like? Um, we can do... Let's try 12 over 5 to start, and then we can increase the uh, the IPAP as he can tolerate. All right, so his BiPAP settings are 12 over 5. Uh, the chest X-ray should have crossed. Yeah, it looks disgusting. Sure. Um, I Please interpret. Yeah, I see, um, I see whiteout. Uh, not whiteout, but he has... 
what looks to be multifocal pneumonia, possibly a cavitary lesion. It's hard to say, but definitely multifocal patchy infiltrates um, in the, the right middle and lower lobes and the left lower lobe, um, which does not look good. Um, let's, um, let's see, this guy's pretty sick. Um, any, any recent travels anywhere, sir? No. Any recent weight loss or anything like that? Nope. No. Okay. Let's start antibiotics on this guy. Um, we can do, uh, let's do, have you been hospitalized recently? Nope. Okay. Let's do uh, ceftriaxone, azithromycin. Okay. Ceftriaxone and azithromycin have been administered. Okay. Great. Um, and uh, if I could get a repeat set of vital signs after he has received his duonebs, that would be excellent. Um, duonebs, solumedrol have been given. His BiPAP is currently 12 over 5. His uh, heart rate is 120. His respiratory rate is 28. His blood pressure is 120 over 80. His O2 saturation is 80%. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like the way he's going. Um, I mean, okay, we can start him on continuous albuterol at this point. Sir, have you ever had to have a breathing tube because of your COPD being so bad? All the time. All the time. You've been intubated before. <laughs> yeah, like a month ago. <laughs> like a month ago. No, just kidding. That's too soon. Like two or three months ago. Two or three months ago. Okay. No, no recent hospitalizations. Okay. All right. All right. Well, it, it's looking like we might be heading down that route if uh, if we can't get you better with these medications. Oh no, I'm a size eight. <laughs> You're a size eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was gonna try to stick down there. Biggest tube possible. <laughs> Obstructive lung disease. Uh, Sounds good. Okay. I know the drill. <laughs> Full code. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. All right. Um, you're starting to get some labs back. Uh, the CBC is normal. Uh, white blood cell count of 13. BMP is normal. The troponin is negative. The venous blood gas shows a pH of 7.22, a PCO2 of 79, uh, and a PO2 of 30. You got the chest x-ray. The COVID is negative. BNP is negative. Um, yeah. All right. Um, well, I think we should, um, I mean, that gas isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be with, with, uh, how low you're setting. Um, I think we should start the conversation with the ICU, um, just because anticipatory care, I mean, you, you might get intubated, sir. Um, you know, if you don't improve, that's kind of where you're going. So we're going to call the ICU. Okay. Do you have any family that you would like us to no. talk, talk to or anything like that? Nope. I don't want to intubate him unless I have to. Um, yeah, I, I think let's call the ICU. Let's, let's get the ICU okay. on board. Um, they're busy in a case. They'll call back in five minutes. <laughs> in five minutes. Perfect. Okay. All right, um, let's, I guess, get a repeat set of vital signs after he's been on continuous albuterol for a bit. Sure. Um, his temperature is 100.2. His heart rate is 100 and 
25, his respiratory rate is 30, blood pressure of 120 over 80, O2 saturation of 75%. All right. All right, I see where this is going. I see you're forcing my hand. Um, all right, sir. Um, unfortunately, it, I, I don't think the this the BiPAP is really helping you here. I think we're going to have to put a breathing tube in. Okay? Yeah, he's he's blue and not very conversational. All right. Yeah, let's let's prepare to intubate. What medications would you like to use? Uh, we could use uh we can use rock and uh, automate. Could use like 20 how how much does this guy weigh? Approximately mm, 70 kilos. 70 kilos. All right. Let's do uh, 20 of Atomidate and 100 of Rock. Um, and I want to pass the largest tube I can pass. All right. Um, patient is intubated. All right. Successfully. Great. I have a confirmed ET2 proper spot on x ray. I get end title. I hear bilateral breath sounds. Um, Correct. Uh, endotracheal tube is in place, and um, yep, bilateral breast sounds. Great. Um, let's let's talk to our respiratory therapist um, for vent settings for this guy. Um, da, 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 da. Let's see. Let's set. Well, he has obstructive lung disease. So we've got to give him time to exhale. Um, let me talk with the respiratory therapist. What would you guys recommend? Like a, a long I to E ratio for this guy? Uh, they're at lunch, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can, uh, let, let's try setting a rate of 12 and an FiO2 of 100%. We'll do a tidal volume of 6 We'll do six cc's per um, kg ideal body weight. Um, and what am I missing? Rate, tidal volume, FiO2. Um, oh, and a, we can do a peep of five. All right, those settings have been started. All right. Uh, the vent is alarming. Okay. What? <laughs> Send me the alarm. Send me the vent alarm. Uh, I what do you? I don't know how to do or that. Tell, it's just alarming. What would you like to look for in the vent? Uh, let's let's check a. Uh, why why is it alarming? Um, it's giving you um a high high pressure alarm. High peak pressure. All right, let's check a plateau pressure. Plateau is twenty eight. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Um. I'm okay with that. Is there any sign of air trapping on the waveform? Um, no. Okay. Uh, you know what? Um, I I am okay with the high peak pressure alarm as long as the plateau pressure is under thirty. I'm cool with that. Let's uh, let's call the unit, and let's uh, draw an, let's draw an ABG post post intubation post vent settings. Get a repeat set of vitals and call the unit. Um, okay, they're at lunch with the respiratory therapists, <laughs> and we'll get the repeat ABG. Um, the so do you want to just turn off the alarm? Uh, no, no. Can we um, can we 
increase the uh, the threshold, the peak pressure threshold for the alarm? Uh, sure. It is increased. Okay. And can I get a repeat set of vitals post intubation? <laughs> um, temperature is ninety eight point nine. Heart rate is one hundred and forty. Respiratory rate is. 28 uh, blood pressure 122 over 82 o2 saturation is 85 percent 85 percent okay and let's uh let's get some sedation on board for this guy um that was <laughs> my bad he's uh he's paralyzed without sedation uh let's let's do a probe and fent i think let's start a propofol drip um, and some fentanyl Okay, propofol and fentanyl has been administered. Okay. I, I assume he had IV access because I forgot to ask for IV access in the beginning. Yep. They got it. They got it for you. They got it for you. <laughs> All right, great. Great. Um, um so he is more comfortable now. Okay. Um, heart rate down. Heart rate is down. Great. Yep. And he's getting continuous albuterol through the vent. Yes, um, but the alarm is going off again. All right, what's the alarm going off for now? Um, just the pressure alarm. The pressure it alarm. keeps going up. It's you turned it up. It's too. It's super high now. The peak pressure. Okay. Alarm is. All right, and is the plateau pressure changed? Uh, yeah. Now it's forty-five. Uh, I don't like that. Um. Okay, so there's a mnemonic. Um that you use for this that i am blanking on um but let's let's examine the the endotracheal tube are there any kinks is he biting down on the tube um he's not biting down on the tube anymore okay um and there's no no kinks or anything like that nope um let's let's uh and there's no pneumo on x-ray correct uh, I sent you the x-ray from prior no, the po uh, post intubation. Post intubation x-ray. I will send you the x-ray post intubation. And forgive me, there's actually no endotracheal tube on there because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Okay. There's there's a pneumothorax. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> Please interpret the x-ray. You said pneumothorax. Yeah, right-sided uh, pneumothorax with uh, questionable... Uh, Nah, there's no real trachea deviation. It looks okay. Um, let's insert a, a chest tube on this guy. All right, describe the procedure. Right side of chest tube. Um, all right, well, let's uh, let's crank up that analgesia and sedation. I'm still going to use a little lidocaine, inject uh, 10 cc's into his chest wall, anterior axillary line, um, about fifth intercostal space. Um, I'll make like a three centimeter three and a half centimeter incision um, dissect with hemostats this is done all sterilely of course um, reverse or sorry yeah make the incision and then I'll blunt dissect with my finger down to the pleura and then I'm gonna pop through uh, the uh, the chest wall with the hemostats do I hear a whoosh of air um, yeah great um, and I'm going above the rib for that and then um, I am going to open up my hemostats, expand that hole, and then grab a, uh, a small bore surgical chest tube, I guess we could do. I probably should have done a pigtail on this guy, but it's too late. Um, and then we can uh, 
just put that through. Um, we can suture it into place with Vaseline gauze around it and attach it to uh, the, the suction canister, um, which we can put on water seal until I get a confirmatory x-ray that the chest tube is in the right place, and then we can put it on suction. All right, sounds good. That ends your case. <clears throat> Before we go through how you did, let's talk about our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Stephanie Pearson is my personal disability and life insurance agent, and I trust her. There are only a handful of big financial tasks that you need to complete before you finish residency, and one of those is getting your disability insurance figured out as soon as possible. There are multiple reasons why you should contact Pearson Rabbits while in residency and purchase disability insurance early. One, you get to lock in a really cheap premium payment. Two, you get access to residency discounts. And most importantly, three, you get your medical examination done while you are still young and healthy. Because it's not just that you might get sick or injured while you're a resident and won't be able to work as a doctor despite your loan debt, although that's obviously a concern. The biggest issue is that you develop some sort of injury or illness uh, maybe you're seeing the doctor for it, but then the insurance company finds out when you apply later, and then you might have whole body systems like your back or your eyes just forever excluded from coverage. So like you, you injure your back in residency, and it's fine, you're up and you're walking around, but they, the insurance company will see those doctor's visits, and then they won't insure any injuries to your back in the future because you've had back injuries in the past, if that makes sense. In some cases, depending on what it is, you might be like completely uninsurable. Um, so anyways, uh, go to www.pearsonrabbits.com, get in touch, get your questions answered, and do it as soon as possible. Thank you to Pearson Rabbits for sponsoring this episode. Now back to our case. <clears throat> okay, Mike. Um, where do we start here? How do you think it went? I think it went okay. Um, I do have some some knowledge base questions for you um, because I am very familiar with intubating the asthmatic and what you're supposed to do. And I presume intubating the COPD or is very similar, but I've never actually had to intubate somebody with severe COPD. Um, so I think there, I think I identified what was going on um, once we got the, the guy on the vent Um soon enough so he didn't crump um, and I think we fixed the problem if I were to change anything I probably would have done a pigtail catheter instead of a surgical chest tube but um, yeah yeah there's a lot going on in this case um, I it was it was a little too long of a case you went over 15 minutes but I think part of that is because I, I wrote too much into it to kind of try to sort through um, I got a little carried away with all my the, the misadventures that could happen um, the what was your final kind of diagnosis? Um, just kind of pull the whole case together. Um, it's on what everything that happened. Sounds like um, a multifocal bacterial pneumonia leading to a severe COPD exacerbation, causing hypoxemic and hypercarbic respiratory failure, ultimately requiring intubation. Complicated by a pneumothorax requiring uh, chest thoracostomy. Um. What was the problem? So, all right. Yeah, let's work through this. Um, as far as, so it wasn't bacterial uh, pneumonia. It was, I, I wrote it as influenza. 
I've been seeing a lot more influenza than COVID recently. Ah, I don't know shucks. about you, but that's just something locally. So we, so that was that, um, and that would have changed the the management because typically you would give antivirals. Oh yeah, I would in the setting of like in this setting. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would hundred percent. I never give Tamiflu unless they're like sick as shit, and then I always give it. Yeah, and, and Tamiflu is one of those controversial medicines. So, um, but in this case, I think a lot of people would probably give it. Um, most, I think most people would probably get it. The, um, I think that with the initial set of vitals, that O2 saturation, you kind of, I would have, I guess, I would have been more aggressive on on rechecking that and adjusting things and really focusing on that early. Um, you, you got there. You asked CPAP. Sorry, I messed up. I gave BiPAP settings just because I'm so used to using BiPAP and our medics typically use CPAP. So that was just me showing just knowledge gap. Um, but I probably would have been more aggressive at addressing that, um, that piece of it. I think that there are certainly COPD cases that you have to intubate. I would say more commonly, though, it's going to be the hypercapnic respiratory failure than the hypoxemic ones, the ones that are just like completely altered. You have you i'm assuming you've intubated some of those at some point yeah i i've i've done it for mental status but i've never done it because um gotcha yeah they were okay. in like okay. respiratory failure yeah um so that's that piece of it i probably would have been a little more aggressive at just like readdressing that um the let's see the first chest x-ray you interpreted correctly um, why do you think the vent alarmed the first time? Um, probably because, um, does this have to do with my I to E ratio? I wasn't allowing enough, uh, expiration and they were air trapping and high pressures. No, I think it's just cause you didn't sedate them. Oh. So they were, <laughs> okay. It's a little, it's a little artificial because, um, you know, it, you're smashing this into 15 minutes when in reality, like they'd still have some of their RSI meds in. So it's not like it's like 30 seconds later. You know, yeah. so I, I guess that's kind of confusing. Um, but that would be more of a sedation type thing mm -hmm. with the high peak pressures. And sorry, when you were asking that, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what's the word? What's the word? It's, oh my God, I can't remember the other one either. I couldn't remember peak or plateau. <laughs> Craziest, like weird mind. I was like, I can't remember the name of either the pressures. It's the pressure alarm. <laughs> <laughs> So I I got my own issues too. <laughs> you know, anyways, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I can't remember it. I made the whole case. I still, did I, 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 it must be the the sun. I've been outside doing landscaping all day. I might have, maybe I have heat stroke. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. No, I'm just kidding. The um, let's see. So then, why was the alarm going off okay. the second time? So the first time was because I I did not sedate him immediately. So he was chomping down on the tube, um, which. Also, That's what I was going Yeah, with. which also makes sense because the plateau pressure was normal. Um, Causing the pressure, the pressure alarming. But the <laughs> the non-specific pressure alarming to alarm. I was like, what? Usually what it's pressure? so funny because usually you have respiratory therapy do all this too. So it's not like this is a daily thing where you're like, you know, throwing these terms around and dealing with this. Right, so, right, right. Anyways. But I, th I think that's an important point is that if somebody's chomping down in the tube, they'll have a high peak pressure, but a normal plateau pressure. Um which is what happened the first time. And then the second time, uh, he probably popped a bleb. Um, and that is where the pneumo came from. And you did the, you did the chest tube correctly. I, you know, we were kind of out of time. So I know how you, I know that you know how to place a chest tube. Take a look at that second chest x-ray again. 
Do you still have it? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. Uh, does he have his bilateral bilateral numerals? Yeah. Small, very so, small on the left, but big on the right. It, it's a it's a dirty one, but I, I wanted to throw you a curveball because I, I, <laughs> I was just basically me. like, I need to look up some good pneumothorax pictures. And I was like, oh, look at that. There's a really obvious side. And I'm, less, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So that's pretty mean. So, yeah, so you that- missed the, the pneumothorax on the other side. <laughs> so. I got you there. I got you. You did. I got you. You did. You did. You were thrown off by the the pressures, the pressure alarming. I was like, crap. Is it is it dope? Is it smile? Like, I had. <laughs> and that's what I'm gonna do the deep dive on this month is I'm gonna go through that mnemonic yeah. and kind of talk through that. So you should tune in, Mike. Jeez, no, <laughs> you did great. Um, let's see. So as far as critical actions. Um, this case all along was designed up for you to have to intubate them and kind of titrate vent settings and things like that. We didn't do a ton of titration event settings, but I, I kind of skipped past that because we were running low on time. And I was like, this case is way too in depth as I'm recording it with you here. Um, interpreting the chest x-ray. So I made you interpret two chest x-rays. I want you to get used to that too, because on test day, it's not like you have, you know, you're going to have to do some of these subjective interpretations on EKGs and chest x-rays that aren't completely normal. And then you're going to have to actually make interpretations on those. And so I want you to kind of be careful um, that you don't miss things like the bilateral pneumothorax when there's just one. So evil. Uh, or so or there's one. evil. That was, that was my teaching point. Well, there's two teaching points that I wanted to do. I wanted to do like vital reassessment type of a thing. And then I wanted to um, kind of a, like a, a slow down on the imaging and kind of try to get you tripped up on the imaging a little bit. So anyways, you did better than I would have done. Like, I'm just Mr. Like, oh, the pressures are high. The pressures are high. So <laughs> <laughs> you you did way better than me, man. Um, you would have, you but I, let's see. Mm, I don't think you would have failed because you missed the influenza. I think you would have lost some points there, though. I'm not sure if they would even test you on that because I'm not sure, like, if, if you work, like, in other regions of the country, like, are you dealing with flu as much as we do, like, in the Midwest? You know, so I'm not actually sure, but I know where you're from, and I know you got flu there. Yeah, we, we um, do. <laughs> so... Um, let's see what else. Yeah, and again, just uh, keeping an eye on the on the chest X-rays and the imaging, and make sure that you do a good thorough read of that. Same thing with like EKGs. Like you might see like an obvious STEMI, right? But don't miss like uh, like a heart block or something like a third degree heart block with the big STEMI. You know, things like that. Just make sure because sometimes they'll try to sneak two things in there. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would say it's specifically EKGs and chest X-rays where you want to be you know the, the most careful anyways um but yeah that's it so in my mind the case was designed as like i had it written up as uh hypoxemic respiratory failure and severe copd or due to influenza that would vent alarm without appropriate sedation and even if you had sedated them i would have made you titrate it and then would vent alarm again due to breath stacking and then vent alarm again due to the bilateral pneumothorax with the one obvious pneumothorax that's how I, but then i'm like <laughs> i skipped one of them <laughs> I was like this is way too much <laughs> so i'm sorry about that um but i was waiting anyways. for the breath stacking other- i was all ready for it i was ready to disconnect that tube and jump on his chest yeah, I, I wanted. I was. I was like, do I do the breast stacking or do I do the the bilateral? And I was like, I'm gonna do the bilateral. New oh. That's the direction I'm gonna go with this. So, anyways, <laughs> it's pretty dirty. It's dirty, but it's, you're almost done, man. I told you. I told you like six months ago that you're gonna have. You're gonna. It's gonna be. A, <laughs> gonna end of residency. We gotta keep you humble, man. No, this was. Gotta this, keep you humble. This was good. This was good. <laughs> um, do you have any other final thoughts? 
Um, no, I I guess the one thing the one thing I will add, um, and I'm sure this is just personal style of training and how how your hospital does it, like and how I've been trained, but like this person who's like you know doing okay on CPAP, setting like eighty to eighty five percent. Like the ICU does not want where where I train, they do not want us to intubate these people. They're like, no, hold off on the tube, bring them up to the unit on CPAP. We're gonna we're gonna throw everything at them, try everything not to get this person intubated, and then they'll intubate at like the last possible minute, uh, which is why I did not aggressively go for that. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of that is cultural and hospital based. Um, because I mean, it's, it's kind of hard when you don't have the patient in front of you, right? How's their mental status? How's their yeah. work of breathing? Like all that goes into consideration when you're deciding, does this patient need to be intubated now? Or can we trial CPAP prior to intubation? And the one thing I will say, so I've seen you, like, even in my IC rotations, I saw doctors that were different levels of aggressive, you know, intubating people. The main thing is when you really start getting, when they, you're letting them run hypoxemic like that, and they get worse, you know, now their O2 saturation is like 78, like it's a really hard tube because there's no, there's no reserve. Yeah. Like they are pre-oxygenated a hundred, you know, as much as you can and it's 80% and you're going to intubate them and they're going to drop down to 30 if it takes more, you know, like you just, you're right. You are, you're off on that curve where it just drops off right away. So that's the one thing that I would say as far as, you know, if you can kind of tell which way they're headed. Um, just know, go for it as soon as possible. If you know, they're going to get intubated regardless, I guess it's probably the right way to think about I it. See. So, Fair. but if you think they might turn around, then obviously you want to avoid it at all costs. Cause it's a vent nightmare yeah. um, for all of the reasons that I wrote into this case. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, any other, any other thoughts? Um, no, I, I think the influenza was a good touch. Um, I agree. We are seeing lots, lots more influenza than COVID at least. Um, but I, I have yet to have a, a sick influenza um, in this wave. I had one last year that was pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, I think that was a good touch. Um, yeah, sedation. Don't forget your sedation. If you use rocuronium or any long acting paralytic, do not forget your sedation. Sucks. It's acceptable, right? They're, they're paralyzed for a couple minutes. But if you, you leave them paralyzed for 40 minutes and they're not sedated, that's that's torture. Don't do what I did. Yeah, if you give them if you give them sucks and forget the sedation, then you end up having getting called over to like the CT scanner where the patient's like biting down the tube on like the other side of the department. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you give them rock, then you're just, you know, you're torturing them. So yeah. anyways, um, yeah. Uh, so I don't have any other thoughts on this case. Uh, the deep dive this month I'm planning on doing on kind of troubleshooting like an alarming vent Mostly because there's like that classic, it's the dopes mnemonic. So I, I figured that'd make for a good episode. I don't think I've done that before. So we'll go through that. Um, and then everyone, again, uh, Maddie Watts content tomorrow and coming up in the future is really, really good. Uh, she's already, we already have, we're sitting on several episodes that she's already recorded and there's more to come and it's, it's pretty solid. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for you guys to hear that. It's great for medical students because I'm so far out of med school at this point where I'm not the right person to give advice as far as like, the process of going through like the match, you know, cause it's been so long ago now. Yeah. Whereas um, she's, I mean, she just went right through it and she killed it too. So she's, it's going to be excellent. So I encourage you guys to, to check out those episodes and then she'll be doing some of these cases later this year, which is pretty exciting too. Cause Mike, you are almost done. 
Let's see, because this is going to come out, let's see, we're recording in April, so this will be May 1st, June 1st. Yeah, you only got a couple cases left. I got to bring Yeah, like two more. Two more after I, this. Two more. I have. T- I actually have a grand finale case, so that'll be fun. <laughs> and then I'll have to choose of my list of, of meme cases. And then it's going to be super funny because I'm going to have to, do, we're going to have to scale way back. Because <laughs> she's becoming as it, you know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it'll be a good time. So uh, send us emails, everybody. Zach at emclerkship.com. Mike at emclerkship.com. Um, we look forward to hearing from you. Again, check out Maddie's episode tomorrow. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.